We're going to go to a marvelous passage of Scripture this morning, and I want to get right into this today as we honor the Word of the Lord. We're going to read the first chapter. It's a little chapter. 1 John, now not St. John, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, not that John, same author, but we're going to get in some of these, this little epistle. There's five chapters in this first one, and as he goes along, it gets shorter as he goes along. I guess he ran out of things to say. But here in 1 John, we're going to begin reading in verse number one, and I love these words. Today we're talking about, here's the message, here's the title, we're talking about the fellowship. We're going to talk about the fellowship. That's the title. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning. Now listen to that. That which was from the beginning. You know, there's several beginnings in Scripture. The Bible opens up this way. The first page. The first verse. In the beginning. But this is not that beginning. That's another beginning. There's another beginning in Mark 1 and 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not this beginning. This goes beyond that beginning. Because the Genesis 1-1 beginning is the beginning of creation. The sun, the moon, the stars. All of creation. It's when creation started. That's not this beginning here in 1 John. Mark 1 and 1 beginning is when Christ was baptized by John in Jordan's river. He came out of the water and the spirit of the Lord descended on him and he started his earthly ministry. That's not this beginning. We don't know when this beginning was. Because God has no beginning. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have no beginning. How I many you know this, the Christ that we serve is eternal God? Everything else had a beginning. Our Savior had no beginning. He's eternal. That's what he's saying here. That's what the Apostle John is saying here. He said, that which was from the beginning, Jesus He's talking here, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have touched this. We proclaim concerning the, the life. Now notice what he says in verse two about this life. The life appeared that which from the beginning, meaning eternal God, eternal God, which had no beginning, stepped into time. So amazing is he came so close to us. We heard him preach. We heard him. We touched him. We touched his bottle, body. We looked at him. We saw him heal the sick. We saw him sleep. We saw him around the Lord's Supper, around the Passover Supper. God stepped out of time or out of eternity into time and came so close to us we touched him. We heard him. We looked upon him. And then he says, and we've seen and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the, the eternal life. See, hear this. I'm getting bogged down here. I've got a lot to say. See, here, here's the thing. E eternal life is not just a principle. Eternal life is a person, a real living person who came and lived 33 and a half years, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who died on the cross, was buried, and the third day rose, and now as the right hand of Father God, our salvation is in connection with a person. In other words, our fellowship, our salvation, our relationship with God is through a real living person who's Jesus Christ the Lord. Yeah. 
And he's watching over this service today. He's watching over because he's the head of the church. And he says here in this passage, we proclaim this to you, this eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father, with his Son, Jesus Christ. We, we write this to you that our joy may be complete. Notice how many times fellowship, 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 fellowship. Verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him. And we declare to you, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Do you know the, the major characteristic and quality and essence of God is holiness. In heaven they cry, holy, holy, holy. It is, it is his major quality. He is a holy God. Peter, or Timothy said this, Paul said in Timothy, he said, he dwells in unapproachable light, glorious perfection. And listen, without the blood of Jesus Christ and the perfect righteousness that we are granted and we are declared over us when we are born again, without that, no one could ever come into the presence of God in any, at any level. Verse 6 if we claim to have fellowship, there it is again, with him. Yet we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and, his, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And he will forgive us our sins. And to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Whew. Don't want to ever do that. You know, the Romans says, let God be, let every man be a liar. Let God be true and every man be a liar. Everything he says about us is true. Everything he says in his word is true. Everything he says about mankind in his word is true. Everything he says about the prophetic future of this world is true. Everything he says about the first coming and the second coming is true. We serve a God of truth. If, he, if we deny what he said about us as human beings, then we, we, we're basically saying, you're a liar. I'm not like you say we are, but we are like he says we are. We, we're just like he says we are. And then he says... His word is no place in you. Have to read the two verses of chapter 2 because they go together. Actually a bad, bad division here. My dear children, I write this to you so that you, may, you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of of the whole world. This gospel is for the whole world. Let's talk about the fellowship today. You know, there's, there's a word, this word fellowship. It's one of those words that have kind of been diluted. It's one of those biblical words, it, the Greek words koinonia, which means fellowship. It can be, it's actually translated like 11 different times or 11 different ways in the New Testament. In other words, same Greek word, koinonia, translated 11 different ways. It can, it can be translated uh, sharing together. It can be translated 
fellowship. It can be translated participation in, sharing in, all these different ways that this is translated. But I want to tell you this. This is, a, this is a deeply spiritual word that has been diluted. You say, well, Pastor, how has it been diluted? Because even we as the church use it in ways that is not quite right. Let me, let me show you what I mean. We'll say stuff like this. Hey, hey, brother, why don't we meet at the golf course for a little fellowship? Now, there's nothing wrong with going to the golf course. I want to make that very clear. Or we say, hey, man, let's go, to the, let's go out and fish this afternoon and have a little, little fellowship. Hey, y'all come over for a little barbecue so we can have a little fellowship. Or maybe a girlfriend or ask her, her girlfriend, hey, let's go out and let's go have some coffee and tea and let's, let's just fellowship. Let's go shopping a little bit and have a little bit of fellowship. Well, nothing wrong with shopping. I'm not a fan of it, but if you, whatever. No, I'm really not. No, you don't understand. My, my wife... You know, this is talking about, conf- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is talking about, about confessing our sins. So, you know, hey, let me just bear my soul today. You know, I, I, I just, I don't know what it is about shopping. I dislike shopping very much so. My wife and I went shopping yesterday and I tell my wife, I said, sweetheart, and she'll testify. She's out doing kids, leading kids church today. But I told her yesterday, I said, sweetheart, I said, you know, I have a shopping limit. There's actually a limit in my soul. There's actually a limit in me. I mean, it's just, it's just a limit that I have. And so here's what we did. I need some clothes. I'm the worst clothes person in the history of the world. If it wasn't for my wife, it would be very, very, you would fire me probably. You would get rid of me. You say, we need a new pastor. That one's too messed up. But, uh, <laughs> But so, you know, it's uh, one of those things. I needed some shirts and stuff. And so we went in there and, and I told her, I said, sweetheart, why don't we do this? Because she wanted to shop for her. I said, sweetheart, why don't we go in and we go in there. We're going to go shopping and let's just get my stuff real quick. It's like a mission for me. It's not like shopping and you go around, you look at this, you look at that, and then you go back to that and you go have coffee and you go back. I can't do that, folks. <laughs> that is not in my soul. I cannot do that. And so we went in, and I had a mission. I need to get a few things. We, the mission is very disciplined. Come on, guys, right? Amen? The mission is very focused. There's no coffee. There's not a lot of talking. It's we get the shirts. We go in. We try them on. We go pay for them. And so then we got in the car. She took me home. She said, I'm going to take you home. She took me all the way home. She said, because I don't want to be waiting on you. I don't want you to be, you know, hurrying me. She took me home, and she went back to shopping again at the same place. And I was just so happy. Come on, amen. I was so happy. Come on, mission, mission completed, all right? But all that's not fellowship. You can go shopping, you can go fishing, you can go play golf, you can go hang out. You can say, let's come over, friends, and have a, watch a good movie, and let's hang out. That's not fellowship. That's not what the Bible describes as fellowship. What I want you to see real quick this morning is this. Fellowship is a deeply spiritual activity. It's not, it's not just, when, we, when the Bible talks about fellowship, it's not talking about just doing even, even activities that are good activities. But listen to this. Fellowship is a spiritual activity which is centered in Christ. Fellowship is centered in the Word of God. It's centered in the Holy Spirit. It's centered in spiritual activities like prayer and witnessing. Do you realize that fellowship is even used in the concept and the spiritual truth of participating in the fellowship of the suffering of Jesus Christ? See, true fellowship in Scripture is Christocentric. 
True fellowship is centered in activities in the things of the Spirit of God. Nothing wrong with those other things, and we do those things in this world, but I want you to know what fellowship is. Fellowship is sharing in the things of God as the people of God. Do you realize that we're sharing in the life of God? Do you realize that every person, every person, isn't the church just absolutely amazing? You know, I've traveled all over the world, literally. I've traveled to Siberia. I've traveled to Central America. I've traveled to South America. I've traveled to Bolivia. I've traveled to Finland. I've traveled to Canada, but, you know, I need to get out of there. There's some trouble up in there. You know, Canada's got trouble right now. Pray for those folks. But I've traveled all over the world. I'm going to tell you what's the most amazing thing. It's the church. Every, every color, every person, every personality. But I'll tell you this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heaven's going to be an amazing place of diversity. Come on, shout amen. I read in Revelation chapter 7, it said from every tongue, every kindred, they're worshiping and they've been washed in the blood. And here's the miracle of the gospel of this fellowship. The miracle of this fellowship is this. When a human being all over this world, no matter who they are, no matter how young they are, no matter if they're man or woman or black or white or tan, it doesn't matter. When they say yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit baptizes them into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this. We've all been baptized into one body. We've all been made to drink of the one spirit. The one characteristic that every Christian has is every Christian has the Holy Spirit in them. They are partakers of the Holy Spirit. We are saved and we have been baptized into the body of Christ. That means we are in. If you're saved, say, I'm in the fellowship, Pastor. Come on, are you in? You need to get in today. If you're not saved, you need to get in. I'm in the fellowship. And let me tell you, the, the, that the fellowship of in the body of Christ is not perfect. You get wounded sometimes. We're human beings. Sometimes you go through battles, maybe that are even unnecessary. But I declare to you, the church is the best thing this side of heaven. Because it's where Jesus is. You say, where's Jesus this morning? I, I meet these folks. They're, they're, those, they're the ones that distort the word fellowship. Oh, you know, I'm, you know I don't know about that church. I, I worship God out in the woods. He ain't out there. I know he's everywhere, but, but he not there. Nah, he the bad English, but yeah, good theology. He's not out there. No, no. Well, you know, I just feel really close to God catching Billy Bass. Come on, amen. He ain't out there. No. I want to tell you where Jesus is every Sunday morning. Would you guess where he is? Here's what the word of God says. Aren't we going to go by that? Come on. It says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Every Sunday morning when we lift up this worship and we lift up the word of God, the presence of God is in our midst. Jesus is in our midst by the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is here today. He is here to encourage our fellowship and to encourage our worship. He's here today. We're not going to delude this, this word fellowship. And to some, just, just secular activity, hanging out. See, because here's the difference. Lost people can fish and hunt, and they can go shopping and do all this. They cannot do what we're doing this morning. They cannot. No lost person can really worship God acceptably in spirit and truth because they're cut off from God. They're not saved. So today, you know what we're doing in this church today? We're having real fellowship. Because what we're doing, we're not talking about the stock market. Who cares about all that? 
It's going to go up and down. That's it. That's all you need to know. It's going to go up and down. That's all you need to know about the stock market. It's going to go up and down. You got money in the stock market, it's going to go down, you're going to have a heart attack. And then a year later, it's going to go up more. And then a year later, you're going to have a heart attack. It's done it for 100 years. It's just the way it is. That's not what we're talking about this morning. Who cares about all that? We're here having fellowship. This church is about Jesus Christ. Come on, this church is centered in Christ. This, this church is not centered in me. One of these days, I'll be dead and long gone. This church is going to go on. We're building something that's going to last 50 years from now. They'll be worshiping here. They'll be winning souls here. I prophesy the greatest days are beyond our days. There's going to be a whole group that have come, and they're going to be saved. They're going to send missionaries out. What we're doing is laying the foundation of great days of glory. Even if we don't see it all, we're just part of the chain. We're holding the ropes up. Why? Because... Our fellowship is in Jesus. Now think about this. Jesus wants our fellowship desperately. I'm going to go past this quick, but how desperately does God want our fellowship? How desperately? This fellowship that we find, that we enter into when we're saved. Because God, when Jesus, when God sent his son 2,000 years ago, this, this, listen, this tells you something amazing about our God. Jesus didn't come around the atmosphere of the earth and just shout, hey, you folks been messing up. Bunch of sinners, bunch of wicked. I'm not even going to come down there. Y'all are so filthy. Now, you know what? We deserved every bit of that because we're all sinners and we've fallen short of God's glory. You, you ever start get a little self-righteous that's in you? then just get a Bible out and go to Genesis 20 and get on your knees and read the Ten Commandments and think about your life and you'll realize how much we've sinned against the Lord. But God wanted our fellowship so much. He just didn't go you know, 10,000 miles above the earth and just shout a great authoritative voice that y'all need to shape up down there. No, he came close to us. He got in the body of Mary by the Holy Spirit. Luke says that the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And that which is in you is of the Holy Spirit. And it will be the Son of God. He came so close that the apostles could touch him. They, he slept with them around the campfires. They saw his suffering. They saw his words. They touched him. They listened to him. They felt his love. God came near in the person of Jesus. He loved us so much and wanted us to be reconciled to him. He came close to us. And Hebrews says, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You say, I felt discouraged. Yep, Jesus felt that. You felt betrayed. Yep, yep, went through that. His best, one of his best friends. He said, my familiar friend lifted up his heel against me. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. You think Jesus didn't have real feelings? No, he was, he was a man, the God man, but a man. He came, felt everything, we, all the hurts, all the pains, all the temptations, all the wounds, all the sufferings. He went through those and he is our perfect savior because when we approach him, because we can have fellowship with him and he understands our hurts. He understands our questions. He understands our wonderings. He understands those dark moments in our lives because he went through that very human experience. God wants our fellowship. Jesus wants our fellowship so much because he came near. The reason he came was because of the broken fellowship. Humanity is so broken today. If our nation ever needed the gospel, it's today. We have a confused nation that had been brainwashed. That can't, many can't even think clearly 
on issues of family and morality and, and the purposes of God. We don't need to run away and hide. Amen. We got to get the salt yes, we do. out of the salt shaker. That's right. You say, why is that? Because that's what God did. That's what Jesus did. He walked among men. He came because of the broken fellowship. Adam sinned. And that sin nature has been inherited by every one of us until we came to Jesus and it was broken. The power of sin broken through the blood of Christ. This is why he came. He came to mend the broken fellowship. There was a little small man. Zacchaeus is his name. He was a tax collector. Great crowds were following Jesus, and God was doing something in Zacchaeus' heart. Listen, let me tell you something. You never know what God's doing in someone's heart. You may, you may hear someone blaspheme in the name of the Lord. You may, see, you may hear someone, you may see someone, they're drinker, or they're doing dope, or they're doing all kind of crazy stuff, but you never know what God's doing in that person's heart. And God, here's a wealthy tax collector, and yet he's done with all that. Because it's left him empty. And he ran ahead. He ran ahead and got up and climbed up in the tree. He's a little short guy. So he climbed up in the tree. He said, I want to see Jesus. And when he get, Jesus got to that tree, he said, Zacchaeus knew his name. How I many know the Lord knows us? Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to eat at your house today. And you know what the religious people did? Look at him. He fellowships with sinners. Look at it. It's in Luke 19. He fellowships with sinners. You know what Jesus said? This is why I came. I came because of the broken fellowship. And here's what he said in Luke 10, 19, 10. He came, I came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? What was lost is that fellowship between man and God. And Jesus came. To bridge that gap. And we have a choice. The Lord's arms open wide today. The Lord's arms open wide. He's saying, I'm going to have fellowship with you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to wash your sins away. I'm going to give you a brand new life. But many are like in this First John passage. They say, we haven't sinned. So what are they doing? They're denying the fellowship. Or they're rejecting the fellowship. They won't acknowledge what they are before God. One of the best things someone could do is allow the word of God to diagnose their problem. In the, way, the word of God is so transparent with us. It diagnoses our problem. Or we can be like the person in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Come on, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, we accept the plan of the Lord. You know, it's amazing as I think about this fellowship that we have in the Lord, this morning and experience, this life that we share together in this fellowship. It's amazing that this, this purpose of Jesus in coming into this world was not only to reconcile us in the heavenly relationship with God, but this fellowship, this purpose of God was to reconcile human relationships. Did you notice it? Maybe you didn't pick it up. Let me read it again. 1 John 1, 3 says this. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. Why? Why did he do that? So that you also may have fellowship with us. Verse 4 or verse 
or the latter part of that, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Do you see the two relationships there? He said, hey, you that John was proclaiming, we proclaim to you so that you, you may know Jesus and that we can have fellowship together. And then he says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you know what this power of the gospel of Jesus Christ does? It's so powerful. It's the gospel of the power of God and the salvation. It reconciles us with holy God, but it also reconciles us in human relationships. All our relationships can go up when we know Jesus. Now, we all need to work on these relationships, right? But in Christ, our relationships go to a whole new level. The greatest love, the most consistent love you'll ever experience is with the family of God. I've seen it over and over again. You know, we've had some funerals lately, and I've watched these ladies. I have, I have worked this food group uh, listen, time, uh, food, and we did a marriage seminar last night, and they cook for that. And then all you ladies that cook, you know who you are, and you serve, all you that serve. We've worked them over and over again. And there's more coming, by the way. I won't tell you what it is. <laughs> They're going to go out the back door this morning. I can't take it anymore. But we're showing the love of Jesus in these relationships. We're showing people that we really care about the fellowship. I mean, whatever, you know, what are you, you going to go to your work and they're going to treat you, treat you with that kind of love? I don't think so. That kind of kindness. Who are you going to talk to when you're discouraged? Really talk, real talk. You know, real talk. You know, some Christians don't do real talk. You know, it's like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm in the word today. You're falling apart in your heart. You know, but... In the body of Christ, there's relationships. You know, I'm not saying blab everything to everybody. That definitely don't blab everything to everybody. Yeah. But uh, God gives us those wonderful friendships in the fellowship that you can say, hey, I'm, I'm going through a tough day. And they may pray over you in the Holy Ghost. Or they may give you a word. Or they may, you know, isn't that wonderful? That's the fellowship. And when, when, when Jesus came, he not only wanted us to reconcile us with, with Father God, but he wants us to reconcile us with one another. So I would say this to all of us. Be careful with unforgiveness. Amen. You may not have struggled with that. I have. You may be way more spiritual, and you probably are. Maybe, you know, I've got that one. No, I have. Wounds that I've had to take back to God again and again and again till all that pain was gone. To where you can now pray for your enemies and you bless them and you love them and you don't feel those bitter feelings anymore. You don't have any animus in your heart toward them. Why? Because when we come into this fellowship, the Spirit of God helps us work through those issues. It may take a little time. Amen? But in this fellowship, there's miracles. Miracles of our own attitudes. Miracles of our own hearts. Now quickly. This fellowship with the Lord... This salvation in the fellowship. One thing we, that, that we don't talk enough about as preachers, as ministers, as teachers, is this relationship is not a one and done. Oh, pastor, you know, when I was 12, I was baptized in water. But you never read the Bible since. Never served since. Never hardly prayed since. I think you probably just got wet. Why? 
Think about how nonsense that is. Think about how, how ridiculous it would be if a couple stood here to get, in gay, or get wed in, in marriage and we went through the ceremony and you know, we pronounced you husband and wife and one went that way and drove off and lived over there and one went that way and lived over there. We think that's the oddest thing in the world. But I think God thinks some things are odd. The Lord is scratching his head in heaven. People come down an altar or get baptized in water, and then they don't walk with God. They don't walk in the fellowship of the church. They don't walk in fellowship with him. They don't spend daily time in prayer and daily time. It's like saying, Jesus be the Lord of my life, and then you go that way and God goes this way. No, my friends, if there's a message we need in this modern day in the church, this fellowship needs to be maintained. We follow Jesus daily. You say, how do you know? Well, look at it, verse 6. It says here, if we claim to have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk, everybody say walk. walk. Now I'm almost done. Come on, stay with me. In the light. If we walk in lies, he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This, this fellowship is maintained by walking with the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm you glad for the fellowship today. All right. I have some other things I want to say. I'm going to skip to the last part. And I think this is our altar call today. This is our altar call for all of us. Altar is for, altar's not just calling lost people to Christ, but the altar is a place where we come and meet God in fresh ways. That we come and just spend time in his presence. Um, it's, it's vitally important And this fits into God's eternal plan for every church. And that is this. When we talk about this fellowship, the Lord desperately wants us to extend the fellowship. Notice what John says here. Verse 3. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. This fellowship with God and with his family is for the whole world. I read in verse 1 and 2, and I wanted to read verse 1 and 2 because it said he is the propitiation for our sin, for our sins, but not only ours, but for the whole world. That means we don't have a corner market on the Lord. The Lord doesn't have any favorite children. You understand that? That would be a sin, and God has no sin. God knows no favoritism. There's no partiality with God. You say, how much does he love us in this room? He loves us all the same. That means this. This is how powerful this gospel is. This is how powerful this message of fellowshipping with God in this morning and experience, and that's this. I can look at someone that's lost outside this church, they're lost without God, and I can, I can tell them that this gospel is for you. This fellowship is for you. There's a, way, there's a way for you to get into this fellowship. Listen, this is our mission. This is, this is one arm of our mission as the church, to go and proclaim this gospel and to harvest people. And I can tell everyone in this neighborhood that we're going to go hand these flowers out and just gently welcome them that Christ loves them and wants to save them. Amen? 
All right, Stephanie, if you would come to the piano. Oh, I'm going to pray just a bit here, just a moment here. And then if you just stay with me, we have an announcement I want to give. Um, I really just pray how this has impacted our souls today about the fellowship. I may come back Wednesday on our podcast and, 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 and there's some other parts of this that are, that are very important. This fellowship with the Lord and with one another is vitally important. God is building this fellowship. There are going to be people that come, that, are, that come to saving knowledge of the Lord. He said, How this, how's that going to happen? Some people will just show up, but, but normally they have to have an invitation. Yep. Right? They have to have an invitation. They have to be welcomed. They have to be loved. I heard a testimony recently, most, one of the most powerful testimonies I've heard in years. A lady out in Kaufman moved from New York into a house, out there. And across the street from her, was a neighbor. She thought, well, I'm going to go bake a cake and just tell my new neighbor that, hey, I'm, I'm your neighbor and hey, I'm so-and-so. Took a cake over there. The lady opened the door. It was smoking a cigarette. And she said, hey, I'm your new neighbor. I brought you a cake. And she went, <sighs> blew a cigarette smoke all in her face. That's how she met this lady. This lady was lost and, and coarse and blasphemous he said what did she do nothing hand her the cake she did that for a long time I'm, I'm talking about years went by as she was kind to her and after a period of time that lady started baking her some stuff never would come in her house she was a broken person finally she, she started saying would you pray for me it took years, literally years. But over that long-term love, that long-term kindness, that long-term witness, that lady got cancer. Before she died, this lady, her name's Nancy, Nancy led this lady to Christ. And there was evidence of salvation there toward the end of her life. And she got in the fellowship. The greatest soul winner in the entirety of the universe is the Holy Spirit. He wants people to come into the fellowship. If you're not saved today, if you've never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we would love to pray with you. We would love to minister to you. We would love to tell you about how to be saved. Jesus preached repentance and faith. Repentance of our sins and faith in what Jesus has done. The first words Jesus ever proclaimed in his earthly ministry was, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Lord can deal with the sin in your life. He can break the power of sin. He can cleanse you. He can wash you. And as we conclude this service today, we'll be up here in the front. If you'd like anyone to pray with you, we'll be glad to pray with you and minister. Do you know how Charles Spurgeon gave altar calls? He gave none. The greatest preacher, the greatest pre preacher probably in the modern, in the last, since, probably since the cross, was Charles Spurgeon. He didn't give any altar calls, zero. But he would say this he would say, I'll be in the inquiry room on Tuesday. If the gospel has penetrated your heart and you, and God is calling you to be saved, I'll be in the inquiry room on Tuesday 
They testify and they write in his works. There was never a Tuesday, never a Tuesday in 20, 30 years that someone did not come to be saved. So if you want to be saved and you want to come into the fellowship, we'll be here to pray with you and minister to you. But you have to want it. Nobody can force you. I don't want some preacher to manipulate you with a sad story and your emotions are stirred, but your heart is not changed. If you want to be saved, you got to repent and you got to trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, I want to pray for us because I believe the Spirit, I'm going to pray quickly and then I have an announcement. I believe the Lord is speaking today to our hearts about being soul winners, about being evangelists. I went golfing Friday. I normally golf on Fridays, normally work on Saturdays, but I like golfing. I have friends I've golfed with for about 15 years, and I had a tract. I had a tract that I, was, that I had on my console, and I, I keep those tracts, and I give those things out, and I share Christ with others. And I, and I had this tract there, and I got out of my car, and it was cold, like 30-something degrees. Golfers are crazy. So I was there, and, I, and then I had my door open. I was getting my sweater on and getting my hat on and all this. And I saw this guy, and we started talking to this guy. And he's from Iowa. And I said, oh, you have family down here. No, no, I'm just traveling around golfing. I thought, oh, great. I said, hey, here's what I said. And we, me and some preachers were there. I said, hey, we're all preachers. And I said, we play golf together, and we have done this for years. And I said, hey, well, great, great to have you in tech. I said, hey, I have something for you. And I ran back over to my car, and I grabbed this track that, that, that was a, a gospel track. And I said, hey, I want to give this to you. I said, would you read this when you get a chance? I said, this is about salvation and about our Lord Jesus. And I said, I just want to share that with you. You know, he was completely open. He wasn't like, oh, no, it's like, you know, it wasn't like a, like a you know, badger going to bite him, which some people do, like, oh, you know, wow. But he said, Sure. He was like grateful. And then as he took that, I prayed a little prayer. Lord, let the gospel get down. And there's a harvest all around us. As I close in prayer, here's, I want us to become aware of the lost. Father, we love the fellowship. We love the church. We love the salvation that we have in Christ. But Father, we need to be better at witnessing. I do. I confess that. I'm not a good witness I fail many times, but Lord, help us to be anointed to share Jesus, to begin to bring people by the multitudes to this church, young and old alike. Father, I pray for salvations. I pray that you would use us. Lift your hands and just say, Lord, use me. Just take a moment. Lift your hands and say, Lord, help me. Lord, I get a little afraid sometimes. I get a little intimidated by people. Give me the power of God to take away that fear. Use me to win souls. Use me to win souls. Let this church begin to move forward in mighty power because we are soul winners. Give us your plan. Give us your strategy. In Jesus' great name. And everybody said amen.